I think as Christians and as people, we, uh, we live, and sometimes we live intentionally. Um, sometimes we look for handles, uh, guideposts, uh, rails between which we can live, uh, parameters, uh, an ethic in a word. Uh, what does our faith ask of us? Uh, what is God's will for my life? How do I make this decision? How do I make that decision? How do I go about this uh, choice? Uh, I talk with one of my kids about a thousand choices we make every day. Uh, big and little. Mostly really, really, really small. But we make a thousand choices a day. What guides and shapes our ethic for everyday life and living in all sorts of situations uh, that pertain to our Christian faith explicitly and not. Uh, those are some of the questions that I think the passage before us this morning answers. Let's pray. God, we've been, uh, just by being drawn by your spirit, attentive to the choir uh, attentive to the lyrics that we've sung, attentive to the words that Sean used in leading us in prayer and that Maggie uh, led us in from Paul's letter to the Romans. Help us to be attentive to you as we open your word together. Give us ears that are good to hear, eyes that are good to see, hearts that are receptive soil. I pray that you would guide and direct my words toward your word, that they would be consistent with your word, and if in any way they deviate or are inconsistent with your word, may they be quickly forgotten. We pray with hope, we pray with joy, we pray with gladness because of your goodness toward us. Amen. For a couple of months now, we've been studying the book of Colossians, most of you know, which has reminded us again and again in different ways of the supremacy of Christ in all things, and we will continue to see that this morning. I hope you've been able to follow along when you haven't been able to be here this summer or the last couple of months, follow along on the podcast or listening online. I think there's great value in that, and one of the reasons that we're going through, kind of trudging through, it may feel like at times, the book of Colossians, which isn't a long book, but it's a rich book, uh, but it's a different way of studying the scriptures and being together by going through them start to finish, and hopefully if you're a part of the whole study, and whether you're present or listening online or studying on your own, uh, there is greater richness and clarity for you as we uh, study in a systematic way, just start to finish as Colossians was, was meant to be read. You can't understand chapter two of Colossians, for example, if you haven't first understood chapter one. You can't understand chapter three unless you've read, known, understood chapters one and two. You can't understand the latter part of chapter three unless you've understood the first parts of chapter three and chapters one and two. So I encourage you, uh, if you're not here regularly, to follow along on the podcast, to read uh, on your own during the week. Uh, you might even want to read the entire book of Colossians, which may only take you 15 minutes every week, just as uh, a way to immerse yourself in the scriptures. I encourage you, if you aren't or haven't uh, up to this point, to take a, a memory verse card and try to memorize it, or at least read it every day this week as a way to uh, hammer home some of the things we're seeing, learning on Sunday mornings together. Uh, 
Two Sundays ago, our memory verses were uh, verses 12 and 13 and 14 of chapter 3. Last Sunday, we focused in on just verse 13 of chapter 3, which was our memory verse this past week. Uh, Can you say it with me? Bear with each other and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone. Kind of tricky that I I deleted it before we said it, huh? We're going to have it up on the screen now and we're going to say it together. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And actually, I was pretty impressed with that little pop quiz. Uh, Many of you knew that, knew that well, so praise God. Uh, The next verse, uh, verse 14 that we covered last week, "And and over all these things put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity, which is a reference back to uh, verse 12. Uh, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that leads into the bear, bear one another. That brings us to verse 15 of chapter 3, which is uh, our passage for this morning. Listen closely as I read from the book of Colossians, Paul's words, the word of God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. And by the word peace, which Paul has repeated several times here in verses 14 and 15, Paul is referencing the Hebrew word shalom. The scriptures mean the state of being well when they say shalom. The state of being well or the state of being whole or the state of being in harmony or at peace with God and with oneself. And clearly in this context, with others. You know by now that the book of Ephesians, also written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Ephesus, uh, is a sister, twin, twin sibling book to the book of Colossians. The two letters have much in common. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul describes how Jesus brought about peace between, between the previously warring Jews and Gentiles. How Jesus united and put in harmony with each other, Jews and Gentiles, about how Jesus brought about peace between this united humanity and God. Through Jesus, through his blood shed on the cross, through Jesus, Paul says, obliterating the wall of hostility, which was an actual physical wall around the temple that kept Jews out. Obliterating the wall of hostility between God and humanity through the shedding of his blood and so the forgiving of our sins. And Paul wrote in verse 15, let that peace, that peace, of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. In other words, invited into the shalom of God in Christ and be thankful. And so we understand that by peace, Paul doesn't mean a sweet, serene feeling as we may often think of peace, shalom, though such is a byproduct of the peace of Christ, but rather a sense of wholeness and wellness and harmony with God, with ourselves, and with one another. Paul's talking to the church here. And in the verse that uh, has gone just before, verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Again, a different way of saying peace, harmony, wholeness together. This is part of what Paul's after. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And the message of Christ for Paul refers to the truths of God in Christ, the truths of the gospel that Paul has described in chapters one and two in great detail. 
about how God, about how Jesus is the fullness of God, the exact representation of his being, about how he's the glue that holds everything together in the cosmos, the means by which God reconciles the world to himself. And all of these things are not just for us or about us, but they're for Jesus and by Jesus and through Jesus. He is the center of everything and so supreme in all things. And the message of Christ for Paul all of these things about who Jesus was, his reconciling work on the cross, and about the grace and the power in that reality. Let these truths dwell in you. They are foundational, and we've talked before over the last couple of weeks about how knowing Christ is far more important and must come first than trying to know the rules of religion or the way of following Jesus. You can't follow Jesus until you know Jesus. And Paul envisions not one teacher but a whole community of people in Christ who with the message or the word or the gospel of Christ continually teach and admonish one another. It's not really this context or at least not all the time. They were called and encouraged to continually be teachers among one another and be even admonishers of one another, to warn one another, to point out faults in gentle and loving ways to help, to shape, to train one another. I read an article recently about the Houston Astros. It's a major league baseball team in Texas that's uh, kicking the A's A's uh, (laughs) by leading their, uh, I think they're nine games up in their division. And over the last couple of years, there's been this interesting phenomenon with the Astros. And nobody, it's kind of the secret of the Astros because they're picking up players who have sort of washed up at the end of their careers, not doing too well from other teams, and they're rejuvenating their careers, especially pitchers who haven't pitched well elsewhere, but all of a sudden they come to the Astros and they begin to pitch well. And what's the secret that the Astros are doing that other people don't know? Part of it's analytics, they acknowledge. But part of it is a culture where they, everyone, And not just one coach gets to admonish one another. And they do so with helpful attitudes and not critical attitudes, saying your your swing is a little off in this way. Your heel's a little high at this point. I see this in your pitching motion. And it's created this culture of unity that's excelling as well in baseball. Tangent. Teach and admonish one another. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And it seems, and another tangent, it seems a tangent of some, in some ways. It seems that the church in Colossae, as young as it was, was a singing church, and Paul encourages what was already typical among them and other early Christian communities. They were singing people. Having been positively affected by the gospel and filled with God's spirit, Paul both describes and prescribes a people who sing, a singing community, a people who sing out of gratitude and joy, not out of obligation or duty or tradition, or they have to, but people who sing united, and singing does unite. And over all these virtues, Paul says, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity and part of their being united was expressed in and was made possible by their singing in one voice. 
And it's true that music unites, that singing together and singing as one voice unites people. And music is the language of our souls. Music is the language of our spirits. And it is just this way and just so that when we speak to the Spirit of God, one of the best ways to do that is through singing, whether we sing well or not. Craig's uh, been really great about inviting people into the choir who have no singing experience and no singing talent and promises to do great things with them. But, and I would be, if I ever dared to step into the choir, would be the worst technical singer up there by far. But it doesn't matter in some ways, Craig reaffirms, and we reaffirm, because when we sing from our hearts and with our spirits, Paul says, God is glorified, we are united, we connect with God in worship, in gratitude and in joy. We've all been a part of churches in which people sat and people stood and then people held their hymn books and people moved their lips and people maybe even made noise, but they were not singing. They were not singing songs from the Spirit with gratitude in their hearts, with music and tones given to us by God. I'm thankful that this is, and we could go on, and this is another sermon and message in itself, that this is a singing church because this is a worshiping church, and so this is an alive church. Thanks be to God. There's more. There's more to worship than singing. There's more to church than music. There's more to following Jesus than gathering on Sunday mornings. There's more to life in Christ than psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And now comes the key verse, which will be our memory verse for today and the coming week. The Apostle Paul's words in verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whether you sing or whether you teach or whether you admonish or whatever you do and whatever you're doing, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The religious legalists that we've talked about, there were two major groups, but a variety of kind of a consortium of people who were dragging the Colossians away from the truth of the gospel and the grace of God. One of those big groups was some religious, deeply religious Jewish people who were practicing a legalistic form of Judaism in the church, kind of with one foot in the door. They were attempting to place on the young Christians in Colossae strict rules and laws pertaining to all sorts of outward behaviors. For example, what they could and could not eat or drink, what they could or could not wear how they practiced the Sabbath and other religious festivals and feasts, or what they could not do with regard to religious traditions and rites and practices. But the Apostle Paul's guidance and ethic was totally different than theirs, totally different than their strict, very specific rules and laws, more generous, more open-minded, more all-inclusive. And yet with the proviso that all life was to be lived in the imitation of Christ and for God's glory. And this means a couple of things. First, your Christianity may not look like my Christianity in what you do and in what I do. The practice of your faith may not look like the practice of my faith. Your following Jesus may not look like my following Jesus. Your life in Christ may be different in a variety of ways than my life in Christ, and that's okay and good. And second, the practice of a person's faith, in other words, they're following Jesus, they're living in Christ, was never meant to be limited to Sunday mornings. It was never meant to be limited to an hour a week. It was never meant to be understood as something that only happens on Sundays or Sunday mornings or in a sanctuary or on a church campus or when we are together. Whatever you do and wherever you do it and whenever you do it, 
Paul says to this fairly diverse group of people in Colossae. Whether in word or deed, he's trying to rope in everything here now. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this phrase, in the name of the Lord Jesus, is our key phrase this morning. It doesn't mean what many people think it means, means or have understood it to mean for much of our lives. We most often hear, know, and have heard this phrase, in the name of Jesus, where? At the end of prayer. We tag it on as if it's sort of the closing, the bookend to dear God. Dear God, blah, blah, blah. Forgive me for this. We pray for this. We praise you for this. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, amen. Is that the way it goes? Is that just our standard closing? As you say sincerely at the end of a letter? But in the scriptures, the phrase, in the name of God or in the name of Jesus, is not a tag with which to close one's prayers, but rather a declaration of one's intent and focus and trust and hope. In the name of Jesus means in the way of Jesus or according to the character of Jesus or by the power of Jesus or for the glory of Jesus. Any and all of those things. If a fisherman or a merchant or a teacher were to do something in the name of Jesus, she would be doing that thing or seeking to do that thing in the way of Jesus, according to the character of Jesus, as Jesus would do that thing in a way that brings to Jesus glory, period, in the name of Jesus. And to say or to pray in the name of Jesus is a bold and dangerous prayer in which one declares one's intent to bring all of one's praying and all of one's doing, and all of one's living under the dominion of Jesus and his kingdom, which is coming. His revolutionary love that he ushered in, that he inaugurated, and that he is still bringing about. And so verse verse 17, uh, in verse 17, Paul issues this sweeping, comprehensive, simple, but new ethic and guidance. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, your guiding principle is do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, according to his character, in his way, in his steps, in obedience to him, for his glory. Paul didn't envision that every Christian would look the same, but that every Christian would look like Jesus. And not only they're praying, but also very much they're living in the name of the Lord Jesus. Your Christianity, again, is not going to look like my Christianity, except that they will have in common love. Your faith, your tradition, your practice in Christ is going to look different than those of the people around you, even in the same church. They are going to look different, but they are to look the same in as much as they are in Christ, about Jesus, for Jesus, and expressing love. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so this very much applies not only to our one or two hours together on Sunday morning, but also very much, just as much, to the other 166 or 167, which dwarf the one or two, to all of life. We live in this dichotomy, I don't know about you, but I grew up in it and I still live it, practice it in my family, in my household, in my own personal life. There's church on Sunday morning. That's kind of a religious time. 
That's when we smile and sing and uh, clean up and look good. Don't say things that are hurtful or try not to. And then there's that all the rest of the time. I don't know if does anyone else kind of grew up with that dichotomy. A couple of people. And Paul says, oh, no, it all belongs under the big tent of God's kingdom of love. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, whatever, in any place and at any time, do it all in the name of or in the way of or according to the character of or for the glory of Jesus. Whether you're a teacher or an admonisher or a singer, regardless of one's spiritual gifts, Paul would say elsewhere, or the work or the ministry to which one is called, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, which we have seen over the past two weeks, means very explicitly, very explicitly, if Paul gives any rails or guidelines, to do things in the name of the Lord Jesus means to be like Jesus and that one is clothed in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those five. And then he adds to that the mercy of forgiving one another. And then he adds to that, oh, now I understand. These all are part of the umbrella of love. And this absolutely does not reply to just the religious facets of one's life. If you post on social media, and many of you do, do so in the name of Jesus Christ. If you go to the gym or participate in fitness classes or art classes or music classes, do so in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the way that Jesus would do such things according to the character and the integrity and the generosity and the compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience of Jesus. Whether you shop at Pier One or Crate and Barrel or Target or Walmart or Goodwill or the Salvation Army or Lord and Taylor's or Saks Fifth Avenue, do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Whether you're a bank teller or a school teacher or a software designer, whether you sell cars or sell insurance or sell cemetery plots or sell groceries or sell real estate or whether you paint walls or change diapers or reconcile financial statements, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shortly after my stepfather died a month and a half ago, two different men at two different times came over to my mom's house to fix things. She had called them to fix things that had broken, things that weren't their fault, things that weren't under warranty, just to be clear. A plumber and an appliance repairman. And over the course of them being there, she couldn't help but talk about what was going on in her life and her household, and that was the death of her husband of 36 years. And when each of those men finished their work and were walking out the door, they said, there's no charge, ma'am, God bless you. Do everything you do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know a librarian and a nurse and a grocery bagger and a doctor and a mechanic who understand and practice doing everything and doing their thing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not always calling attention to the name of Jesus. Just be clear about that. Sure, if you're led in such a way, if you're that kind of person, if God puts that on your heart, there's no harm, there's all good in that. But it's not about naming the name. It's about doing things in the character and in the way and in the integrity and the beauty of Jesus. 
Another story from uh, mom's house from a month ago. Two more stories, maybe. My mom went to Trader Joe's, uh, and there's now two California Trader Joe's in San Antonio. It's amazing. She loves it. She was in Trader Joe's. She goes there about once a week in Trader Joe's and uh, picking up some items. Uh, maybe the guy recognized her at the cashier. Maybe not. I don't know. But she, uh, he say, she said to him, you're buying a lot of groceries for an 87-year-old woman. And she said, explain, well, I've got a lot of people coming into town for my husband's uh, funeral services and just a lot of hosting the next few days. And so he finishes ringing up all of her things. Before he takes her payment method, he said, just a minute, he disappears into the back somewhere, comes back about a minute later and says, there's no charge for any of this. And he says, oh, uh, hold on just a minute. And then he disappears again and comes back with flowers. Have a great day. Whatever you do, wherever you are, whenever you're at, do everything you do, Paul commands, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Same week, uh, I'm helping mom with some things around the house. Uh, the uh, door and window guy, uh, rep technician, comes by to fix uh, something with the front door. I think this is it. And I'm, I'm there with him. I'm trying to manage that, helping that mom with that. And uh, just incredibly patient, incredibly helpful uh, person. Does his stuff, a little, uh, you know, it it's, doesn't go exactly as he uh, planned. Mom's got batteries in her front door. It's kind of complicated. Uh, he's patient. He goes out to the van, comes back, goes out to the van, comes back, goes out to the van. Probably spending more time than he uh, thought. But I, I thought to myself, there's something different about this guy and the way that he, and the helpfulness in his patience. Oh, this, is, this is unusual. So he finishes up, thanks me, Josh, thank you, nice to meet you, thanks a lot. Uh, call me if you have any uh, other problems, if you need anything at all, don't hesitate to call me any time of day, seven days or night. Here's my card. Thanks, see you, Josh. Uh, I look at his card after he closes the door and is climbing back in his van, and it says, we value three things, excellence, love, and compassion. A window and doors company that values excellence, love and compassion. I go on the website and fill around and go, oh, the guy's a follower of Jesus, the guy who runs this company. His whole company is built around bringing glory to God. Praise God. What if we did all did that in wherever we are, whatever we're doing, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? And now finally, I want to share some photos with you. If you're listening by podcast or uh, online, up on the big screen are some photos of First Pres people making fleece blankets back in May. Just spending a few hours creating unique, beautiful, handmade blankets to give to a ministry we support called Help One Child that works with kids in the foster system. Kind of supplements their care, shepherds them, cares for them along the way. 65 blankets cut, made, folded, boxed up, sent out for delivery. And then three months later arrived this email and these photos. Good afternoon, Colleen. This past July, you partnered with us in our efforts to supply cute and cozy tie fleece blankets for 65 campers for our Signs of Hope camp. 
We are so grateful for you and your ability to spread the word amongst your community. First Presbyterian Church played a crucial role in supplying these campers with necessary items. And although the week and months leading up to Signs of Hope Camp can be a little hectic, there is no denying God's steady hand in piecing together his perfect plan. Throughout the week, he reminded us just how detailed his plan can be. The blankets provided are one of the most beloved items donated to the camp. Each night, we gather outside in the campfire amphitheater for a closing message and songs. The campers are encouraged to get into their PJs before the campfire, and they often bring along their blankets. The soft texture has a huge calming effect, allowing the campers, all of these foster home kids who have already been through the ringer, to unwind after an active day. I've attached pictures below from the week. As you can see, many campers brought their blankets to breakfast, to lunch, to dinner, to campfire, even to field games. Thanks for being a part of God's plan for this year's Signs of Hope Camp. Thank you for the time and energy you dedicated to... We appreciate you. Danielle Pickard. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We may dare to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. But God, through the scriptures and the apostle Paul, calls us, invites us to live, to live in the name of Jesus. In everything we do, putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and mercy. And wrapping all of these things in the way of Jesus in love. Let's pray. You have shown us the way, God. You have shown us the way, Holy Spirit. You have shown us the way, Father. You have shown us the way, Jesus. You are the way. We confess that we have not always lived in that way or in your name. We don't and we won't. But help us so that more and more we will. that your name might be praised, that your name might be known, that your will might be done, that your kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven. In our space, in our homes, as it is in heaven. At our workplaces, at Trader Joe's, as it is in heaven. Bring these things about, God. Amen.